0: Chairs No Waiting, episode number 713 The Bed Jacket, Neil Brower. Two Chairs No Waiting is brought to you each week by the folks over at WeaversDepartmentStore.com. Head over to Weavers and get your wall calendar. That's right, you can get a 2023 Andy Griffith Show wall calendar, and you might want to get the 2023 Day by Day flipbook calendar at the same time. You don't want to miss that. And. Check out the Andy Griffith Show squad car from 1964, a little die cast car. I think you'd really enjoy. As long as you're getting that, you might want to get the JL 327 (laughs) license plate. Folks, there's so much over at Weaver's. Go over and check it out. Two Chairs No Waiting is also brought to you from donations from listeners like you. The executive producer of episode number 713 is Mark Copeland. Yeah, and this week... We have a high sheriff at Two Chairs No Waiting. I want to thank uh, Rex and Jamie Pinnacuff for episode number 713 for being the high sheriff. They have just gone above and beyond helping us out here with the podcast. So thank you very much, and thank you to Mark. Thank you, both of you. And thank you for being here with me. I'm Alan Newsom, the host of Two Chairs No Waiting, and man, it is good to be back this week. And have a little bit of fun here in Mayberry. So what we're going to be talking about is the bed jacket, the bed jacket this week. So last week, uh, I tried to do this a week ago and something happened and the episode couldn't get recorded. And so what did I do? I just punted because I did everything I could to get it ready to go and go and, but i just couldn't so this week we're going to be talking about the same thing i talked about this last week but that you didn't hear <laughs> here we are this is uh, we're pulling up the bullet now this is the bullet the newsletter the official newsletter of the andy grova show rerun watchers club this is the april 20th 1995 edition of the bullet now the, the every issue of the bullet had amazing things in it And uh, this week we're going to talk about the bed jacket. But before we do that, I wanted to bring up this one thing from Emmett's Fix-It Talk. Since we were talking a little bit ago about at Weavers, you could buy the the, uh, squad car's tag. Okay, so you could get the tag uh, from the squad car. Let me tell you this little story that is in the e-bullet. This is from Emmett's Fix-It Shop. It says, Dear Fix-It Shop, My wife recently ran across a Sunday evening post from February 1959 that contained a page full, uh, a a full-page ad for Atlas tires. Included in the ad were 1957 license plates from all 50 states. Much to my surprise, the North Carolina plate in that ad has the number JL327, the same one used on the Mayberry squad car. Coincidence? I doubt it. I'm guessing that the prop master was looking for an example of a North Carolina plate and spotted this same ad and used that m- number uh, as a model for the Mayberry squad car plate. Wow. Another bit of license plate trivia that some of the other plates the ones uh, with three letters and three numbers used on the show were actually California plates with tape over the top to cover up California, nineteen fifty-seven. I've enclosed a close-up of the picture, and so they have a nice close-up of the picture in the uh, the bullet, and it is definitely something that is pretty amazing—a little amazing piece of work. There, but you can clearly see JL327 as the tag number in that article. And, again, it came from the Saturday Evening Post from February 1959. So if you're ever <laughs> – if you get a chance to find it, there is an amazing amount of information in the bullet over the years. And uh, since Weavers was how, you know talking about the JL327 tag, I thought that might be something just to make it a little bit more fun for you. So go and get you a tag from Weavers, and enjoy yourself. All right, guys, so we're going to be hearing this week about Professor Brower's class. Now, in the eBullet, there was a article, I guess I would call it, uh, that was written by Neil Brower, who does Professor Brower's class at, at Mayberry Days every year, plus during the summer, once a month at the Andy Griffith Museum, Neil comes and does a class there, and he just he has amazing information from the writers of the Andy Griffith Show who corresponded with to get deep inside information. And this is one example of that. So I wanted to provide this to you. I'm going to get a little bit of background music here, just so I'm not as boring, uh, just reading as we go. And I've got some things. If you're watching the video version, you'll be able to watch the uh, the photos in the uh in the screen as well so hopefully hopefully you'll like that all right so here we go professor brower's class this is the 14th installment of this column which appears in each issue of the bullet it's written by neil brower who teaches a 10-week course titled the andy Show," an in-depth study at the community colleges throughout north carolina Uh, A session is currently underway in Randolph Community College. Now, this was obviously in April 1995. Not now, but that's it. So, let's get into the story. The Bed Jacket, episode number 75, was written by Ray Allen and Harvey Bullock and was directed by Bob Sweeney. Parley Bear is featured as Mayor Stoner. The filmed episode, which first aired on December the 17th, 1962, was the end result of a creative process that began with a close collaboration between the writers and the producer. A writer gains an appointment to pitch brief story ideas to the producer, explains Harvey Bullock. If an idea captures the producer's fancy, The writer is given the green light to write a very detailed outline of the project, of the projected episode. Fashioning the outline was time-consuming and exhausting, but without a question the most vital step in writing the episode. This was all from Harvey Bullock. The element of the story for the bed jacket were carefully worked out as the outline was written. So this is this is Neil adding this part about that. Okay, the uh, the, about the elements. So the writers had to decide how Andy was going to find out Aunt B wanted the jacket, and how the problems, you know, like Andy selling Eagle Eye Annie and buying an inappropriate gift for Aunt B, how those problems would be resolved. This is a quote from Harvey. He said, Harvey, Harvey Bullock says. These maneuverings were laboriously detailed in my outline before one word of the actual script was typed. I made a long, complete roadmap of every story before writing one word of dialogue. My endings were always totally worked out before I started, as was the middle break and etc. It was hard labor, but I was very dependent on a thorough outline, and it made fleshing out the dialogue more relaxing. More attention could be focused on the fun words when you didn't have to worry about writing yourself into a corner. Harvey continues, Upon completion, the outline was sent to the producer, who studied it carefully, then summons the writer to discuss changes. This is a critical moment wherein all snags and problems must be perceived and resolved before an actual script is written. Sometimes the story was changed completely. Sometimes the outline was accepted almost as is. Producer Aaron Re- Rubin is listed as the story consultant in the closing credits. Aaron explains that the story consultant title was part of my duties as a producer of the show. I believe it was done to give me credit as a Writer's Guild member and therefore as a writer. As story consultant, I did just that. I was consulted on the theme of the play, how it was constructed, what would be the act breaks, the conclusions, etc. The episode opens with a location shot of Andy and Opie fishing at the lake. The powers of eagle-eye Annie are visually demonstrated with a on-screen catching of a fish. Aaron says the location lake shoots were not difficult to set up. However, if it was a overcast morning, we would often have to wait on the sun. And of course, rain canceled it. Aaron adds, whenever we had an episode dealing with an animal, whether it was a dog, a bird, or a fish... We had an animal trainer who would come with the species that was called for. In this episode, the trainer had brought a bucket of live fish, and just before the scene was to be shot, he hooked a fish on the line. We then went to a close-up of Opie and Andy showing their reactions as we went to a wider shot showing the line tightening as the fish was flapping around. Parley Bear's character, Mayor Stoner, was a one-dimensional character and served primarily as a problem causer. Harvey Bullock said, This did not make the character difficult to write for. His was, I suppose, a cliché role. End quote. It would be nice to give a character full dimension, but oftentimes we just needed a single note from them and couldn't indulge in filming them out of the expense of more airtime that could be used for more full roles for our major characters. Making the lesser characters more dimensional would have been distracting and disproportionate to their importance of the story, said Harvey. An interesting technique was used in the scene where Aunt Bee first discovers the bed jacket. When Aunt B looks at the bed jacket, the camera is positioned on the sidewalk looking in through the store window. In contrast, the close up of Aunt B are filmed with a camera placed inside the store looking outward. After Aunt B enters the store, the dialogue between the sales clerk and her is not audible. The audience just hears background music. Aaron Rubin says the no dialogue scene was the writer's idea. We know exactly what Aunt Bee has gone into the store for, and it would have been somewhat dull to hear what we can guess by the pantomime. It also seemed to be dramatically more interesting. The camera angles used were included in the writer's script directions. The script directions for the scene were as follows. Aunt Bee stands transfixed with her eyes wide with appreciation. Slowly, she leans to one side to get another angle then she leans the other way for a different perspective she stares again and sighs determined she breaks the spell and averts her gaze and starts walking briskly away but her steps gradually slow until she stops she turns and goes back again and looks in the window she repeats by turning and walking away as she passes the stop door her steps falter and she stops gives up and goes inside The camera moves over to the window. In a second, a sales lady picks up the jacket carefully, holds it up near Aunt B and nods approvingly of its size. The sales lady asks another question and Aunt B shakes her head. The bed jacket is replaced in the window. The sales lady leaves. Camera moves in as Aunt B reaches over and fingers the jacket lovingly. And that was all the direction in the script. The director and the actors were given creative freedom to add to or to change the scripted directions. Two examples of this are present in this episode. The first occurs after Andy and Opie surmise Aunt B surprise Aunt B on her birthday. In response, Aunt B affectionately spanks Opie on the bottom. The second occurs in the epilogue. After successfully blowing out her birthday candles, Aunt Bee viciously shakes hands with opie or vigorously not viciously vigorously shakes hands with opie both are authentic real life responses and fit naturally into the scene harvey said none of that was scripted they were either the suggestion of the director or francis bavier came up with it the closing scenes of the second act is excellent Andy explain, Andy's explanation of why he sold Eagle Eye Annie is beautifully written. Opie, you sold it? But you said you'd never sell it. Aunt B can be heard in the background talking excitedly. Andy, no, not quite. I said I kept it because it gave me so much enjoyment and I wouldn't sell it for money. And I didn't sell it for money. I kind of swapped it for a different kind of enjoyment. So, old Eagle Eye Annie is doing just what she did before. Even right now, she's giving me pleasure. Real, heartwarming pleasure. Harvey says, I don't recollect this scene as being difficult to write. The whole thrust of the story fostered this revelation of feelings involved and discovered. In the epilogue, wherein Andy negotiates the return of Eagle Eye Annie, it's seldom shown in current reruns. And as a result, today's Andy Griffith Show fans never see the loss of the fishing ride being resolved. And That's a sad thing, in it? So Harvey says this, most episodes were written with the The plot all wrapped up at the end of the second act the epilogue being unnecessary to the story just an added little fun decoration however this story is different than most and I feel the epilogue is vital the difference is that there actually are two stories in this episode one the gift for Aunt B and the second the fishing pole uh, the fishing pole fin-, fin angle or getting even with Amino Mayer. However, I could not work the fishing pole denouncement at the end of the second act because Aunt B's gift story was primary and it would be anticlimactic at this point to continue and add the fishing pole climax. So I had to take a chance, give the gift ending. The full treatment and hope the epilogue would always be included, which we know it wasn't. And that's the that's the end of that story. Uh, the editor's note says the special epilogue for the bed jacket is included in the version of the episode on Aunt Bee remembered and the best of Aunt B videotape sold in the e-bullet. And it's also on the uh, DVD versions. If you watch it on DVD. Also, thanks to Neil Brower for this superb column. And Neil also would like to thank Harvey Bullock and Aaron Rubin for once again sharing their insights and memories about the show's production. So, folks, uh, this is a great episode if you haven't seen it. And if you've never seen the end, uh, where after Andy had given away the bed jacket to the mayor, he was able to get it back in the end because the mayor. <laughs> If you don't know what happened, I'll tell you, because if you haven't seen it. So what happens is the mayor comes over knocking on the door going, Andy, Andrew, I hope you didn't be in there. And he goes, yeah. He said, I I need your help. I need your help, Andrew. I need your help. Okay, what is it? He said, well, my wife talked to the the lady down at the lingerie store and found out that I had bought that bed jacket, and now she thinks I've given it to some other woman. And, well, why don't you just tell her? I did, but she doesn't believe me. But she would believe you, Andrew. She would believe you. So, will you call her and tell her that? And Andy's like, Well, I guess I could. But have you ever heard the expression, one hand washes the other? And the mayor's like, Yes. I said, Well, I'll call your wife and tell her what happened. And you sell me back my fishing pole. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I can't do that. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll sell it back to you. I'll sell it back to you. But you'll call her, and you'll call her. You'll call her right away. You'll call her right away. Oh yeah, I'll call her. So basically, Andy gets his fishing rod back, and the world is fine. And Eagle Eye Annie is returned to the rightful owner, Sheriff Taylor. So folks, if you haven't seen that, go and watch the DVD version of the uh, episode. I think you will enjoy it. And uh, it's it's absolutely, that was definitely a paraphrase of the ending, but that's what happens in the end. And the mayor has to end up giving back the fishing pole. So there you go. And uh, it's absolutely, that's a great one. So if you haven't seen it, go and, go and watch it. Pull out your DVDs if you have one. If you don't have one, you can buy those at Weaver's too. Or you can, uh, I think there's some, probably CBS still has streaming, I think. I don't remember I don't remember what streaming service has the Andrew Griffith Show, or you can just try to catch it on uh, uh, when it comes on the air. It might show the ending, but that's a, that's a really good ending. I, I watched it the other day, and I was just laughing uh, as I was putting this show together to get this information to you. So, All right, guys, it is time for some trivia. I hope you guys enjoyed what we've already covered, but let's do some trivia. So get out your pencils and the paper, or just remember. <laughs> let's see how you're going to do. We're going to have about eight questions, I do believe. So here we go. True or false? True or false question. Opie took piano lessons. Opie took piano lessons. Mm. Opie took piano lessons. True or false? The answer... It's true. Opie did take piano lessons. Now, he... Didn't do much practicing, but he took them. He took them. All right, number two. Who replaced? Oh, come on, you got to get this one. Who replaced Barney as deputy? Who replaced Barney as deputy? Nobody could truly replace Barney, but who replaced Barney as deputy? Yeah, I think uh, I think Pluto TV. Uh, they show. They have an entire channel that's just the Andy Griffith Show. I think they show the epilogues, but I'm not quite sure. But I think they do. So you might be able to catch it on there, too. Who replaced Barney as deputy? My, uh, my nephew, uh, Warren Ferguson. That's right. Yeah, Floyd's nephew. There you go. All right, number three. Which of Opie's friends played the piano? Which of Opie's friends played the piano, and I could add, and helped him cheat about taking lessons? <laughs> Which of Opie's friends played the piano? Which of Opie's friends? Now, these are, that's a color episode, so, you know, hopefully you'll know it. But the end—the an, answer is Arnold. Arnold did. It was Arnold, and he was playing it for Opie, and, you know, he was doing all the practicing. I see folks in the chat room are getting that. That's so a good job, folks in the chat room. That's a color episode. You get extra credit because you know the color episodes. All right, number four. Who turned down Andy's marriage proposal? Mm, who turned down Andy's marriage proposal? Hmm, that's a good one. That is not from a color episode, and it is multiple choice. But I don't think you guys need it. Do you need that? Who turned down Andy's marriage proposal? All right, I'll give you. I'll give you the multiple choice i think folks in the uh, chat room are getting it right but here we go the answer that they're looking for i see uh, someone in the chat room may have gotten a different answer that may be right who turned down andy's marriage proposal was it peggy ellie mary or janie who's janie that's not even one i know so which ones did who turned down the marriage proposal The answer of the four that were listed here, the answer is Ellie. Miss Ellie turned it down. Good long engagement. Oh, oh yeah. Long engagement. Long engagement. So it was Ellie. Ellie turned it down. All right. So in in the chat room, it's therapeutic. I I think said Helen. Helen turned it down. Did, Did Andy ask Helen to marry him at some point? And she turned him down. I don't remember. All right, that was number four. All right, number five. It's going to be multiple choice again, so no. True or false? True or false question. True or false? Barney played the guitar. True or false? Barney played the guitar. Barney played the guitar. It was Ellie, not Ellen. Yeah, Ellie. Ellie Walkers, who uh, who turned down his thing. All right. Barney played the guitar. True or false? The answer is false. Barney didn't play the guitar. Or at least we never saw him play the guitar. So false. Number six. Who told Barney, quote, nobody leaves a wash basin the way you do? End quote. (laughs) Who told Barney, nobody leaves a wash basin the way you do? (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, Barney did play the bongos. There's some in the chat room. Yeah, Barney played the bongos and the cymbals. (laughs) Rotten Andy's here. (laughs) Oh, that was so funny. All right. Who told Barney nobody leaves a wash basin the way you do? You do. The answer is Mrs. Mendelbright. I love you too, Mrs. Mendelbright. All right, number seven. Who recited this rhyme? <laughs> Who recited this rhyme? Call for the doctor, call for the nurse, call for the lady with the alligator purse. <laughs> I love that. Who recited this line? Call for the doctor, call for the nurse, call for the lady with the alligator purse. <laughs> Who recited that line or that poem or that rhyme, I guess it is. It's, is that a poem? I don't know. The answer is call for the doctor, call for the nurse, call for the lady with the alligator first. I think that's when he was jumping rope, wasn't it? It was Barney. It was Barney. Wasn't he jumping rope? Wasn't that when this was <laughs> Barney? Grown man. I love Barney. God. And number eight. Number eight. What musical instrument did Briscoe Darling play? Oh, that's not even a good question. All right, if you don't get that, you're you're assigned to go back and watch the first five seasons twice on the DVD. Okay, what instrument? What musical instrument did Briscoe Darling play? I'm not even giving you the I'm not giving you the uh, multiple choice because it is multiple choice: guitar, harmonica, banjo. It's not those. (laughs) The Jug. Now, you can get guitar sounds, banjo sounds. You can get all those out of there. All right. I'm going to give you another question because that question was too easy. Let's go two more. All right. Who appeared as Santa Claus in the courthouse? That's a good... It's Christmas time. That's that's a good one. Who appeared as Santa Claus? I should say Santa Claus at the courthouse. That's the best... That's the best Santa Claus I've ever heard. All right. Who appeared as Santa Claus at the courthouse? It was Barney. Barney. Let's see. And number 10. What big farmer came to Mayberry to find a wife? What big farmer came to Mayberry to find a wife? These are good questions. I'll give you two more just as bonuses, just to have some fun. These are good. I'm enjoying myself. Who, uh, What big farmer came to Mayberry to find a wife? The answer is Jeff Pruitt. Big Jeff Pruitt. All right, so there's a couple of more for fun ones. Barney dated a registered nurse. True or false? Barney dated a registered nurse. True or false? That might be a little hard. don't know. I think we only ever he only ever talked about whether he did this right. Barney dated a registered nurse, true or false? The answer is true. He did. He dated a registered nurse. And finally, a woman arrested for speeding through Mayberry bribed Opie with what? A woman arrested for speeding through Mayberry bribed Opie with what? Was it a dollar? A toy car, ice cream, or a baseball? A woman arrested for speeding through Mayberry bribed Opie with what? A dollar, a toy car, ice cream, or a baseball? The answer is she bribed him with a baseball. How did you do, guys? That was a lot of questions. We got 12 questions in. So, did you, how'd you do? Did you get uh, most of the twelve questions or some of the twelve questions? And and mainly, did you have a good time trying? Was there th- were they Were they things you could almost remember, even if you couldn't, or if you got them, if you got them right? I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. You want to try again? No, I got it. Once you got it, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, folks, I want to thank you guys for being here with me. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> You can give me a call at 888-684-8415. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. Uh, you can also email me at floyd at imaberry.com. Be sure to drop by over at the uh, design and check out that website. they got some great stuff over there. Great tour of the Taylor home and the courthouse. You definitely want to go and check it out. Uh, design. I'm going to have a link in the show notes that goes to the Taylor Home and Courthouse Tour. So go and check those out. Folks, head over to Weaver's and get your Christmas stuff. And next week is our big Christmas episode for this year. So until next time, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you then. Good night, everybody.